Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. VOO versus VTI. Why do so many people care about comparing these two ETFs? Well, it's probably because they're two of the top five biggest ETFs in the world. We're talking about the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF, that's VU, and the Vanguard Total Stock Market ETF, that's VTI. Today, we're going to look at the exact difference between these ETFs. We're not going to do some cursory performance-based look that you'll find from the amateur hour pundits on YouTube. Uh, we're going to use academic research to analyze the differences, papers like this classically titled Size Matters and So Does Your Junk. We're going to look then at the three big mistakes that ETF investors make. So our last piece on ETFs looked at the three largest ETFs in the world, SPY, IVV, and VU. So those all track the S&P 500. We talked about how if you're looking for USA exposure as opposed to a uh, ETF that would track MSCI US, USA and look at all the companies in the United States, then an S&P 500 ETF is perfectly suitable. However, today's conversation is going to focus mainly on that topic in the context of the next ETF in the list here you see, Vanguard Total Stock Market Index or ETF. What does total stock market mean? Well, it refers to all the companies in the United States regardless of their size. Now, the most important thing that ETF investors need to remember is that low fees are the biggest predictor of outperformance. While fees can change over time, so you want to pay attention to that, uh, comparing these three ETFs you see here, SPY, IVV, and VU, it's clear that SPY is too high at three times the cost of the other two ETFs. And of these three, we concluded that Vanguard is probably the best choice because they pioneered low costs that are likely going to stay in front of that. And VU emerged as the best way to invest in the S&P 500. So why are so many people interested in comparing these two ETFs? Perhaps they're paying too close attention to the names. So this term here, total stock market, is probably creating some confusion. So let's start by pointing out uh, the most important factor, which is fees. Those are the same. So next, we then need to look at benchmarks to determine exposure differences. So we're looking at two different indices. VU is obviously tracking the S&P 500, which is the largest 500 companies in the United States. VTI seeks to track the performance of the CRSP US Total Market Index. Now, there are numerous ways that index providers use to carve up the United States of America stock markets by size. And this piece here by Morningstar, untangling how index providers break down the market by size, they all take different approaches to partitioning the U.S. equity markets. Now, um, my alma mater, MSCI, is not reflected in the table that you see on the right here, but uh, they look at uh, what would be all our major competitors. Uh, so CRSP carves up the market using market cap breakpoints in percentages, whilst Russell, Dow Jones, S&P 500, or say S&P, uh, the 500 simply represents all the large companies, but then they have, you see, breakdowns of mid and small by numbers. Now, these methodological differences can seem small, 
But as this gentleman at Morningstar says, they can lead to the risk that investors may unknowingly create overlapping size segment exposures. In other words, uh, they may think that they're uh, exclusively investing in particular size segments, but that may not be the case. And why this matters is because um, we're looking at, for CRISP, an additional 30% exposure that doesn't overlap with the S&P 500 which is mainly mid, small, and micro companies. So that begs the question, how does size affect performance? So there's something in finance called the size effect. It's the observation that smaller firms have higher returns than larger firms over long periods of time. This is also referred to as the small cap effect. Now, the next thing you'd want to look at is the risk that you're taking to get those excess returns, which is referred to as the sharp ratio. But Let's just assume that to be true because it's a commonly uh, believed effect in finance. Small caps outperform over long periods of time. Now, this is not the same as the neglected firm effect. This is something you see retail investors talk about and uh, they're mistaken. So research shows that this no longer applies to today's markets. The idea that, oh, all these little firms out there are being ignored by Wall Street and there's value to be had there. Well, Firstly, they're being ignored lots of times for very good reasons. But as the CFA Institute stated here, they recently did a um, research piece, well, I suppose it was several years ago, looking at um, factor-based investing across size. They said, sums it up. So as alluring as they may be, U.S. microcaps, the galaxy gamings of the world, can safely be ignored. We concluded the same thing when we took a look at microcaps that ARK was investing in. And then there's this great piece. Size matters if you control your junk. And this is very interesting. And it they, they propose that the variability of the size effect, so the volatility, and you want to, you want to increase your returns by while well, reducing volatility. That's the idea of the sharp ratio, right? Lower volatility, higher returns. And it just simply refers to the risk that you're taking. They uh, presume that the variability, the volatility of the size effect is largely due to the volatile performance of low quality, junky firms. So controlling for junk, the sort of garbage that uh, we talk a lot about here on our YouTube channel because it often attracts retail investors and there are countless examples of this sort of junk, lots of pre-revenue companies, that if you control for that junk, then that size premium is going to be more robust over time. Now, you're not, when you invest across the entire domain of microcaps, able to control for that junk. That's worth noting. Now, what do we know so far? Well, VTI gives us exposure to size segments not on offer from VOO. That's only the top 500 largest companies. So VTI represents more pure, holistic exposure to U.S. stocks. Now, the mid-small micro-segments we're talking about have varied historical return profiles, but it's generally believed that small caps outperform with more volatility uh, if you control for junk uh, even more return versus the risk you're taking, uh, but micro-caps aren't worth the time of day. Therefore, we might conclude that VTI offers more diversified exposure 
and the pros and cons cancel each other out. So intuitively, we should then start looking at past performance. So one of the things they teach you in B-School is always to leverage the hard work of others instead of having to do the same work yourself. So we found this firm, PWL Capital, and they did a performance assessment of the CRSP U.S. Total Market Index versus the S&P 500 Index. Now, CRSP stands for Center for Research in Security Prices. They're affiliated, affiliated with the University of Chicago, which has a, a very notable reputation in the finance world. And CRSP happens to be one of the most rigorous research organizations in finance. And when they compared these two indices they found that long-term returns are similar. You can see in the table here, they're <laughs> nearly exact, just three basis points difference with uh, CRSP U.S. total market barely outperforming the S&P 500. But what you need to remember there is that there were significant differences in annual returns that occurred frequently over this time frame, but these differences are offset over extended periods. So in other words, the longer that you measure these return profiles, the closer they get to one another. And they concluded that on balance, they favor total market index funds because they hold every liquid stock on the market. We would tend to agree with that because if we're investing in the United States, then that's the exposure that we want to get. We want the purest form of exposure possible. Now, Let's talk about the three biggest mistakes ETF investors make. So uh, the first one we've hammered home quite well, I think. Uh, most retail investors don't put enough importance on expense ratios. That's the single most important factor they ought to be paying attention to. Um, what we also see is that they'll focus on past performance instead of what the ETFs actually offer exposure to. That's the most important thing you need to dig into to understand what you've invested in. Past performance over short periods of time, which is usually what you'll get with these ETFs because they're rather new and they don't have those extensive track records, you need to go to the index providers and look to firms perhaps that have already done that research to understand performance differences truly and then remember that they're just... Um, just that, past historical performance is no indicator of future performance. But the other mistake we haven't talked about much that in particular U.S. investors make, about half our audience, is they exhibit what's called domestic bias. Now, we live in a very fascinating world with 194 countries. And most people, uh, we always joke that uh, Africa is our favorite country to visit when and Africa actually contains 54 countries, uh, half are dictatorships. But the world has a lot of investment opportunities in it. And in order to understand these opportunities, we look to economists for country-level risk assessments. Now, MSCI is the global leader in such classifications, and these aren't always intuitive. So uh, here you can see where they've broken down developed markets. These are the least risky markets. Then you have emerging. There's more risk there. And frontier, even more risk. Now, I worked at MSCI and supported these indices for uh, over a decade, and we would often get questions from um, re or, uh, institutional investors, oh, why is Korea an emerging market? If you go there, you would certainly ask that question, but that has to do with their neighbors in the north. Why is Taiwan an emerging market? You know, you go there and it doesn't seem to be the case, but they have uh, neighbors in the West that are potentially problematic. So there's very good reasons behind these classifications, and their economists are always keeping their fingers on the pulse of what's happening in the world. And you can see 
uh, these reclassifications that take place. This usually results in lots of calls from clients. So Russia, you can see there, understandably reclassified from emerging markets to standalone in March of 2022. And you see Pakistan here in green. So they were reclassified from standalone to frontier. So they're moving up in the world, then from frontier to emerging, even moving up even more. But then from emerging to frontier, so then they move down again. So they're always adjusting these. I thought Israel was interesting that they were even classified as an emerging market as recently as 20, 2010 because they've just uh, had so much contribution to um, publicly traded technology companies as, we, as we've looked at in the past. Now, when we look at the world then, we can use MSCI Acqui, which is 99% of the investable global equities market, and say, all right, how much exposure should we have to the United States? 59% of our equity portfolio should be exposed to the United States. Well, what about the rest of it? So that's a topic that we're going to talk about next. How do we decide what countries to invest in? Uh, when we look at investing globally, what are the best global ETFs for Total stock market exposure, not total stock market in the United States alone, but true total stock market exposure with appropriate weighting. So we're not overweighting countries and getting exposure that we shouldn't means we're actively trying to outperform the market when very few investors can actually do that. So I've put up another video here that you might be interested in. It's our comparison of the three largest uh, S&P 500 ETFs. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that piece that's coming out on global ETFs. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.